You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today I want to minister to you on the topic of resetting your mindset. Now we've already mentioned this in many different avenues, but when you reset your mindset, it's usually what's necessary for you to go to the next level. See, most people don't understand that you're only going to receive from God to the measure that you feel deserving of the blessing. And unless you have a revelation that God has imparted to you his worthiness and imparted to you his righteousness, there's going to be limitations of what you believe that you can receive from God concerning your future. When you get a new mindset, and you usually always have to have a new mindset before you go to another level, is what happens is you begin to remove the old way of thinking and you replace it with a new way of thinking. And this supports your faith and the visions that God has given you. But without it, you'll probably go without it. Are you listening to me? So I'm asking you today to leave the old neighborhood so that you can get in the new neighborhood. And for some of you, it may be brand new. Other of you may not be brand new, but it's something that every one of us need to really go where God wants us to go. So if you would, turn with me over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, and this will be the verse that we're going to uh, expound on. He says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now watch this. He says that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. Help me out with this. Do it with me. God is willing to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. Now, he mentions this in another, another fashion in Romans 12, 2, when he says this. He says, by the renewing of the mind, you will be able to test and prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so I believe that as a believer, I need to renew my mind to the place. I got, I got to get a mindset for exceedingly. Some people are on the lower level. God wants us on the higher level. There's nothing that God does in your life that is insignificant. There's nothing in your life that he does that isn't world changing. And so we have to begin to think differently. Maybe not the way that we grew up. Maybe not the way that we were taught. But your faith will only last as long as your thinking lines up with what you're believing for. You can't just believe for something and have your mind go wild. It has to line up to what you're asking for. Now, in the text, put it up again. Now, to him who's able, and God's definitely able, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask a thing. Now, watch this. According to the power that works in us. Say, according to the power. Now, he's not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, they say that when the gifts of the Spirit operates as the Spirit wills, he's talking about what is activated by your faith. Bible said life and death is in the power of the tongue. There's another example of it. Or the Bible says God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So there's a power inside of you that you have to decide in faith to release. And so he goes on uh, in the next verse and says this, To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. Make a note of that. Forever and ever Amen. Now, this may not minister to you because you didn't come from the generation that 
some of us came out of. A generation that believed that the power of God only operated in the early church, and we're in a different time zone now, and, and God's not doing what he did in the beginning now. And that verse says just the opposite, that God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above in every generation. I said in our generation, in time generation, come on, every generation. God doesn't vary in what he desires to do personally in your life. Now watch this next verse, Ephesians chapter 2. Put it up on the screen if you would. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Say good works. Now good works isn't sitting on your duff which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is really powerful because I want to encourage you today that there's a difference between a job and a career. Someone once said this. They said that the difference between a job and a career is that a job, you're always looking at your watch. But a career is something that you've finally found something that you believe that God has called you to do and God's grace flows in that area, whatever it is in your life. And it doesn't have to be a pastor or evangelist, whatever. God calls individuals to that in their life. It's very important. But what I want you to see is this. God wants you to do, the, do more than just go through life. He wants you to live through life. He doesn't want you just to, you know, exist until you die and then be with Jesus. He wants you to live the abundant life and go through it flowing, praise God. And I want you to evaluate in yourself, am I doing the purposes that God has called me to in my life? Because if you're not, you're not going to be able to do what is exceedingly abundantly above. It's only when you find that that you'll be able to do that because it's a good work that God decided from the foundation of the world he wanted you to do it. Amen? Now look at this next verse, Ephesians. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Now, now think about this for a minute. Paul is saying, I want you to walk worthy of your calling. Now I'm going to hit some of you really good here. The calling calls you wherever you're at. Maybe you're sitting in a bar some night getting drunk, the calling still calls you. Doesn't, God doesn't stop calling you because you got off track. Maybe you've been through some bad relations. Maybe you're doing the wrong thing. The calling doesn't stop. God's still calling you to come out of that path and to follow him. Some people, they get in this, locked into these bad situations and they think that's just it. But God keeps calling you even in that place. Even in the place of mess up, of screw up, of just doing everything wrong, God keeps calling you. And I'm encouraging some of you today that you've got some mistakes in your life, but that doesn't mean God's finished with you. He keeps calling you from that place. He wants you to stand up and say, man, I'm not going to do this the rest of my life. I'm going to do what God told me to do. I'm, I'm going to quit going down this path that leads me nowhere, this path of darkness. I'm going to start doing I know that people look at me and go, there's no way you're called to do anything at all. But no, that God keeps calling those that he calls. He doesn't stop calling you. He keeps calling you. 
So what we need to do is rise up above that and really step into what God has for us. You know, something that I've noticed about the Lord is this, that when he created us, even a, a newborn baby, Jesus said this. He said, have faith as a little child. Did you know children are never born with a desire for little? They're always born with a desire for great things. It's just natural. Think about a little child. They start playing. What do they play with? Superman, Credible Hulk, Iron Man. They never play with Loser Man. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a hero. It's instinctively in them. What happens, though, over time is many times we are programmed by bad parenting, and the parents, I'm sure, did the best they could, and we're told, hey, don't get your hopes too high. We don't want you to get discouraged. And really, in reality, they just didn't want to pay for your vision. That's why they said that. But uh, the truth is that God put that in you, and God wants you to pursue those things so that you can have that fulfillment inside but you got to change your mindset get your mindset unset see some people's mind are like concrete well mixed and well set god wants you to re rearrange that mental furniture and change your mindset and begin to think in a way of the way that god wants you to and that is god doesn't call anyone to do small things Everything that you're called to do is a big thing. It's a great thing. It's an awesome thing. It's a thing that changes things, changes the world, changes the course of history. It's always that. Now, let me, let me explain what I mean by that. I'm a grandpa. I got, I got eight grandkids. I got a calling, me and my wife, to pray for our grandkids. It's a heavenly calling. I, we're to pray for them. We're to be an influence for them and help them become what God wants them to become in their life. That is a great calling that a grandpa or a grandma has. Can you say amen? And a parent has a great calling. Train their children in the way that they should go, not just so they go to church when they get older, but so that God's power can work through them and they can become an influence of the kingdom and the righteousness of God can flourish through them. Or maybe you're calling something like this. You have a calling to be one of the biggest givers in the church. Give, 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 please. Those are all great callings. There's nothing that God calls you to that isn't great. It's all life-changing. It's all world-changing. It's all history-making. Turn to someone right now and said, I had no idea I was going to be sitting next to a history-maker in my life. Praise God. What's your name? Can I get your autograph? Come on, talk to him. Praise God. That's what God's called us to because we were created in his image and likeness. And God doesn't do anything that's little. God doesn't do anything that's insignificant. Whatever God does is for a great purpose in your life. Even if it seems small, it has a great purpose in your life. Come on, give God praise right now, everybody. Thank him for it. So you got to get that kind of mindset that will cause it to work in your life. But here's the question. How do you walk worthy of your calling? By keeping the standards that are connected with it. You know, in ministry, I love preaching. 
it's not a job to me. I've always loved it. It's never, once God called me to it, there's just no problem. Does that mean it's easy? Oh, no. Many times people stick the knife in my back and then they turn it. Many times there's backbiting, things like that. So there's a side of it that's bad, but that doesn't bother me because it's my purpose. I said it's my purpose. Parenting is, is, is great, but a lot of the times it's hard. It's hard. But, but when you know it's God's purpose in your life, you can get through those hard times and begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Amen? But what I want you to see from this is a very significant point, and that is this. High standards to your calling will make the difference between whether it succeeds or not. I can't afford to think a certain way that is contrary or negative to God's will in my life in order for me to maintain the standard that God has called me to. I remember, I'll give it to you in practical way, Dr. Cho, who had one of the largest churches in the world, he's with Jesus right now, but he said this one time, and I thought it was really good. Since he was a pastor of a large church in the world, he got all kinds of invitations. I remember I, I, I talked to him one time uh, out in, in City Church, and one of the things about him was that he had this high standard about his own life because he knew how many people he was in, uh, affecting. And whenever he was out of town and went to a hotel, he would always bring someone with him, and he would never go into a hotel room first. He would always send in someone first because he didn't want to be in a situation where there's a woman in there and a picture was taken, and he'd be compromised because he knew that it would affect his church, which was a million people. That's what I'm talking about. There's a standard. God's called you to be a businessman. There's a standard that you have to do, a standard of integrity. If God's called you to be a, a father, there's a standard. The standard is I'm supposed to be the high priest of my family. That means that it's my job to pray for my family. It's my job to keep my family pure and holy. It's my job to lead me, my family. It's my job. It's not my wife's job, even though she does a great job. It's my job. We could just stop right there, but it's true. So whatever it is, you have to have the mindset that will support that standard that God's word gives you and whatever your calling may be. That's how you walk worthy of it, is by maintaining that standard. But like anything, if you're going to do this, you got to sign up for it. It's not going to happen simply because you showed up. It's going to happen because you signed up for it. All right, I'm in it to win it. And I'm not going to retreat from it. I'm signing up for this kind of life. I'm signing up for this kind of vision. I'm signing up for this type of goal. I'm signing up for this in my family. Praise God. This is the day the Lord has made today. I'm signing up for it. Praise God. You got to do that to really receive it in your life. Now, I'm about ready to share with some things with you that I believe are essential for a change or a reset of your mindset. When you understand what I'm about ready to say or, or teach you, it's going to give you the ability to go through life and enjoy what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit, love, 
joy, peace. Come on, endurance, patience. How many know you are what you are is determined by how you feel? You'll never fulfill the faith that God has given you in your life if you're always depressed, if you're always full of anxiety, if you're always under stress, if you're always feeling down and out, you'll never fulfill God's purposes in your life. And a lot of people say that they, they get the idea that I can't really change the way I feel. That's one of the biggest lies the devil's ever told anybody. The reality is you can change the way you feel by changing the way you think. If you change the way you think, you'll change the way you feel. Say it with me. If I change the way I think, I will change the way I feel. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have times you're depressed. But my point is you don't have to stay that way. I'm not, and, I, and if you have a physical problem, that is different. I'm talking about if you're physically okay, you can change your emotions in your life and you can change your life. I'm gonna show that to you. Look at this story, and this is a story of Jesus' disciple, the first time they ever failed at delivering somebody. Put it up on the screen, this is Matthew 17. Listen to what it says. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say unto you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say unto this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now watch this part. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now remember, his disciples had never had to wait for deliverance. Whenever they said in the name of Jesus, people were delivered like that. All of a sudden, they come up against a demon. It's different. This one is not going out that easy. And during that moment when the spirit began to manifest, their thinking went south. Oh, maybe we don't have power to do this. And as soon as they did, doubt came into their life and they weren't able to do it. They always were able to cast out that devil, but the situation got the best of it. What did Jesus tell them? Fasting and prayer. Why? Because when you fast, what do you do? You tell your body what it's going to do. In other words, I'm not controlled by what you feel. I'm going to determine what you feel. I'm going to pray. And this is the key to faith that keeps believing in the midst of a trial. That's the key of it. And I'm going to prove to you today that the Bible's full of verses that teach us how to change a negative feeling that we might have in our life at, that, at a moment. James said it this way, count it all joy when you fall into trials. If you fall into a trial, you're obviously depressed. If you fall into a trial, you obviously don't feel very good about it. If you fall into a trial, you're awfully, obviously bummed out. He says at that point, count it all joy. As you count it all joy, count your blessings. Your emotions change in your life. Say amen. amen. The prophet Isaiah said it this way. He said, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of holiness, or excuse me, the, uh, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, if you're going to put on a new garment, you're going to have to take off the old one, right? 
You don't put on a new jacket over an old jacket. You take off the old jacket and you put on the new jacket. So he's talking about, okay, when you've got the spirit of heaviness on you, take it off and put on the garment of praise. And then he goes on and says, what's going to happen? You're going to be victorious. Because you always find this when you have faith. There's joy and there's peace. Let me give it to you another text. Philippians says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God with thanksgiving and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds against what? Against doubt, against fear, against it won't happen against it'll never happen in my life. That's what it guards against because the feelings are what gives way to the doubt. I've never seen somebody clinically depressed that had faith to move mountains. I've never seen anybody yet that was full of fear and anxiety about the future that was able to move mountains with their faith. But I've seen people clinically depressed that started to do the word and counted all joy. And like in first, uh, Second Thessalonians 5, 13, give thanks in everything. I've seen those people give thanks in everything. And as they begin to give thanks in everything, they, they, all of a sudden the joy of the Lord comes in their life. And then they move mountains in their life. Say amen, praise God. Hallelujah. So your emotions can be changed by believing and acting on the word of God in your life. And if you're going to have great faith, you're going to have to feel good. See, your life, really, if it's a good life, it's because you, you have positive emotions in your life. Amen. You know, you got joy, you got peace, you got love. And all these are emotions, even though we call them the fruit of the spirit, they're still an emotion. Joy is an emotion. Joy causes your feet to jump. Come on, it's an emotion. And I'm, I'm going to challenge you today. Maybe your life's been a bummer. Maybe you're in the fog of gloom and doom. But I'm going to bring you out of it today. Amen? Amen. I'm going to show you how to destroy negative thinking in your life. Because the negative thinking is the reason why you're depressed. The negative thinking is the reason why you think you can't come out of it. The negative thinking is the reason why you're, you're feeling despair and, and you're feeling worried and all that kind of stuff. And it all hits us, but we don't have to stay in it. Can you say amen? Now, ladies, don't be too rough on your husband, please. Don't get on his case every time he gets down. Just remind him what I preached. Amen. Baby, you need to, uh, I don't mean to call you baby, but <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Hey, 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 you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. All things that we go through work together for the good for those that love God and begin to just rejoice and you begin to change that negative situation into a positive situation. I love what Jesus said. He said, be of good cheer. Amen. Woo, I have 
overcome the world. In other words, quit being sad. Quit being bummed out because of what's happened. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So when the devil tells you you can't help the way you feel, tell him he's a liar. Not because Pastor Jack says so, but because the Bible says so. Jesus says so. And so I really believe that this is a, a, an area in our lives that if we don't get a handle on it, we're going to find ourselves defeated in our lives and not going to the place that God wants you to go. Now, I'm going to share something with you, which is a secret to this. Whenever someone gets depressed, whenever someone is in fear, whenever someone feels like a loser, there was always a thought that caused that. And that thought usually activates a way of thinking that brings you down to a place of depression. The way to overcome it is by the word and the spirit exposing it. Look at this verse with me, Ephesians 5, 13, look at this. But all things that, that are exposed are made manifested by the light, for whatever it makes manifest is light. In other words, when the gospel or the truth in the word reveals, man, this is good, reveals to you the thought that made you feel like you were a loser, is revealed, the power of that negative thought loses its power. It only has the power when it goes unnoticed. It only has the power when it is operating and you're not aware that it's operating. But as soon as God reveals to you what's going on, it has no more power. Let me show you in Scripture. You remember Jairus. He's a religious leader. He goes to Jesus. His daughter's sick. He said, Lord, if you just lay your hands on my daughter, she will recover. Jesus said, let's go. So they head out, and you know the story with the woman in issue of blood and everything, but as they're going, his friends come and said, don't bother the master, your daughter has died. At that moment, Jesus responds like this. Be not afraid. Here's my question. Who said he was afraid? It doesn't, Jairus didn't say, I'm afraid. We don't have any record of the disciples saying, oh, by the way, Lord, Jairus is really afraid. We don't have a record of anyone suggesting that Jairus was afraid. But Jesus, knowing everything by the Spirit here, knew immediately that Satan was trying to get a stronghold in Jairus' emotions that would stop his faith. And he said to immediately, be not afraid. Now, I don't know what the thought was. It could have been a thought like this. I'm not going to be able to marry my daughter off like everybody else does. We're not going to be able to celebrate this year Christmas or her birthday. I'm not going to be able to have grandkids because she's dead. Whatever the thought may have been, Jesus corrected it by stopping it right then. And as soon as Jairus saw that, he realized, whoa, 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 whoa. And he fought against it, and he saw his daughter raised from the dead. Anything that repeats in your life 
is something that's hidden under the surface. Anytime that you set goals in your life and you reach them only to, to, to lay them down again, there's a wrong kind of thinking pattern in your life that keeps bringing that to pass. It's like the guy that says, I'm going to start saving money for a rainy day. Great vision, great thing, amen? Bible said that we're, we are to be the givers, not the borrowers. So he starts saving. And then all of a sudden, he finds this. He sees something. It's insignificant. It's really a waste of money, but he goes ahead and buys it. Why? His thinking was wrong. His thinking led to that. But if he would have adjusted his thinking in the beginning, he never would have made those stupid decisions. How many people have ever started on a diet only to fail at it? It's the thinking. If you change your thinking, you'll succeed at your dream. You'll succeed at what you have in your life that you're pursuing. So anything that's repeated is under the surface. It's under the surface. It's under the surface. Every time I talk to my husband, we get in an argument, he goes off, he goes off and does this and reminds this. That's because there's a way of thinking in his mind that is bringing him to a place where he has to be right on every argument you have. And if he changed his thinking, he would be able to sit down and talk with you, hear your side of it, and bring it on. I'm doing that only because the ladies, you know, ladies run the world. Amen. Come on, guys, if you're smart, just might as well clap. Amen, women. Yeah, they are running the world. But I want you to see that because God wants you to have the mindset that supports your dreams and visions that God instilled inside of you. And whether you like it or not, there are certain ways of thinking that we think that sabotage our faith. We start to believe, but we can't finish what we believe for because our thinking is working against us in our life. We need to say, Lord Jesus, help me. Reveal to me that thought. Reveal, reveal to me the way my mind works in that area because I need to cast down every thought, every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and cast it down. And if you cast it down, your faith will grow stronger and 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 stronger. There's a pattern to failure in a man and woman's mind. Change the pattern, change the outcome. I'm going to make a statement that's so important. The way you feel is man-made. The way you feel is man-made. It's the way you decide to think that determines how you feel. And once you know it's man-made, you know it can be unmade. Because if my thinking caused it, my thinking can put it to bed. If my thinking caused me to be depressed, my thinking can give me peace. If my thinking caused me to fail, my thinking can cause me to win. Come on, church. Say amen. Praise God. You can reign in this area. You know, I think one of the problems that we have is we get used to shooting too low in life. When you're created in God's image and likeness, and God's will is a big thing. I remember I used to ski years ago, and on the slopes, they have different levels of snow skiing. They have 
on the bottom level, I believe it's green. And then the, so if you're not really good, that's the level that you kind of ought. And then you have the blue level, which is people who are a little bit better skiers. And then you have what they call double black diamond runs. Say it with me, double black diamonds run. That's on the very top of the mountain. And you, man, you go off that double, double diamond thing there, man. I mean, you better be praying in the spirit because you are sailing, man, down that sucker. I think we are double black diamond people. I believe that God doesn't want you to take the low dive. He wants you to take the high dive. I don't believe that he wants you to settle for the just, just enough. He wants you to settle for more than enough. He wants you to reach for the exceedingly, abundantly above. He wants you to sky. He wants to go to the top, not on the bottom, the top, the top, the top. Oh, wow. I tell you what, I'm happy now. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is so powerful. Now, I want you to stand up right now, and I'm going to show you a verse. This verse is so life-changing, especially when you see it in this context. Look at this text here. This is Nehemiah. He's building a building project that is so influential that the unbelievers are terrified about it. And there's great resistance towards it and uh, politically and everything else, almost like today, amen? And listen to what he says. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweets, uh, send portion to those whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Now watch this. Do not sorrow. Don't feel pity for yourself. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Quit whining and whining and whining and whining. Stop it. For what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. Now, if you read the beginning of the chapter there, in chapter 2, here's how it starts out. He's a cupbearer of a pagan king, a Persian king. And a cupbearer, when anyone that was in the presence of the king always had to be glad and happy. It was actually a Persian law that you couldn't be in the presence of a king without being happy. Because the presence of the king or the king was so great that his greatness would cause all your worries and fears to diminish. Amen? Well, here's Nehemiah. It says in the first verse, it said that he went into the cupbearer and for the first time, is he's never done this before. He came before the king and he was sad. And the king says, you're sad. And it said they greatly feared because he could have been killed for it. Now he did it to get the king's attention. But I want you to listen to this. The Bible says in his presence is the fullness of joy. In God's presence 
His goodness and greatness should overshadow our depression, should overshadow our worry, should overshadow our fears, should overshadow our pain, should overshadow. God is so great. God is so great that when I get in his presence, the fullness of joy is manifested. And all of a sudden, I know I'm a winner. All of a sudden, I know I can make it. All of a sudden, I know that the victory is mine. All of a sudden, I know that no weapon formed against me can prosper. All of, come on, church. All of a sudden. Now, I know that I've worked on changing your emotional status today. Some of you are starting to get smiley, starting to get happy. But see, why are you this way today? Because it rained. It rained. Washingtonians are the worst in the world when it comes to emotions. Oh, it's raining again. Oh, Lord, the traffic. I want you to change your continence today. I want you to realize we're in the presence of the Lord. And God wants you to leave with sky-high faith. He wants you to leave with victory. He wants you to leave excited. He wants to, come on. I want you to begin to shout to God right now. Just begin to thank him. Lord, I'm changing it. I'm rejoicing in you, Lord, right now. I'm giving you praise right now, Lord. Thank you, thank you. Come on, church, come on, help me out. Come on, help me out. Come help me out. Okay, I'm going to give you one more chance, and then I'm going to be in unforgiveness. I'm just kidding. I want you to shout to the Lord of the voice of triumph. Some of you need this. You've been in this low spot way too long. you got to come out of it. Come on, come out of it. Come out of it. Come on, let's rejoice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Victory's ours, Lord. Victory's our Lord. Victory's our Lord. Thank you, victory's ours. Thank you, Lord. Man, I'm so glad you repented. That's so powerful. That's powerful. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.